Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, everybody out there in the world of geckos. Uh, For all you gecko enthusiasts, uh, tonight's going to be an interesting show, uh, especially if you're new to geckos and leprogecko genetics. One of the genes that we have to work with is called the eclipse gene, and a lot of people find it very confusing and, I don't know, difficult to understand. Even after four, almost five seasons of working with it, it still can throw me for a loop sometimes when I check out my outcomes and when different things hatch, just when I feel I'm, uh, I know what's going to come out of the egg and how it's supposed to look, uh, the eclipse gene can definitely mess with things a little bit. So um, tonight we have a guest that has a lot of experience working with eclipses, and she's known for just really uh, just loving that particular gene. And this, is, this episode is Christy Houston of Ghoulish Geckos. Uh, today is April 1st, 2014. I hope everybody's doing great. Uh, tonight, I have a special co-host, uh, and that's going to be Daryl Burton. Daryl Burton, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Dave. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to the show. What do you think? Me too, because uh, me being new to the hobby, the, the Eclipse Gene kind of messes with me as well, so I'm ready for this one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be informational. I, th- I think Chris is going to have some good things to tell us. Um, and you know, you know, Ron discovered this gene well, quite a while, quite a quite a few years back, and you know, it's it's basically what's been able to help us make the Raptor, the Radar, uh, the Typhoon, and uh, you know, the, the Super Snow Eclipses are incredible. They look really, really interesting. So um, you know, it has different effects with different things. You know, like with the Super Snow, uh, the Super Snow gene, it kind of gives it a pied look with the pied nose and pied arms and um you know just in its plain form it can it can vary in appearance too so um i don't know i i, I think the eclipse gene is probably the coolest gene we have to work with and uh i think there's a lot more coming from it in the future we're going to learn a lot more about it what do you think yeah absolutely i that, that's that's my deal like i say i've only got a few animals here with it and i'm you know being my first season i'm very excited to see the different outcomes and 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 what it does and the, and the effects that it has on it. You know, pictures are one thing, but looking at baby geckos right out of the eggs got to be better. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I've had a whole bunch of these guys out already. It just uh, it never gets old, believe me. <laughs> so, oh, uh, I bet. Well, I, I'm, I'm sitting here just counting the days down now is all I'm doing. I know, how many eggs you got cooking now? I've got 17 so far. Actually, let me take that back. I've got 16. So. Wow, that's this is your first season breeding too, right? First season, right, right. Nice. Actually, no, you're right, 17, because that Sun Glow female, her first clutch, she just laid one, so it is 17. Right. Okay, so she started laying two after that. Uh, she is now up to five and fixing to drop two more. <laughs> she's already had three clutches. <laughs> nice. So but you see how she's, you know, because it was her first year, she only laid the one egg, and I told you that she's probably going to start laying two at a time from now on, and sure enough, now she is. She's on track. 
That's exactly, it. And, it, and it's very interesting being uh, new and, and watching this. You know, not not new to reptiles, just new to leopard geckos. But how they'll, you can really tell when they're getting ready to lay and all they're digging and bulldozing around, and then once they lay, they're looking for a food dish. <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah. They eat these females. They just, uh, you know, it seems like when they're ovulating, they get a little picky. But then once they're in the process of laying eggs and then, uh, you know, recouping and you know, developing new ones. They're, they just eat like pigs. That's for sure. Keep yeah, she's them. always been a she's always been a real good feeder as well. I mean, she's you know, I've, I don't know, I've had her several months now, but she was the type whenever you walk in here and start feeding, she comes up to the front of the front of the tub and looks at you, and I could open it up and I could just hand her a mealworm right out of my fingers. She'd take it. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some that's of them cool. are really easy like that. Yeah, she's never been. Uh, let me say, uh, shy of the feed trough. She she likes to uh, circle right up there, kind of like me. So. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Well, everybody, um, Gecko Nation Radio would not be possible without its amazing sponsors. And um, I'm going to just remind everyone that when take advantage of these businesses. They, they are proud to be sponsors of the show. And mention Gecko Nation Radio, and they're going to take care of you. And they always do. So check these guys out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com, or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. 
Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit supremegecko.com for his available animals and supplies. All right, everybody, we are back. And um, Daryl had to hang up, but now he's back on the line. Let's bring Daryl back. All right, you with me, Daryl? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, messing around with my hands and had it on my shoulder and accidentally hung up on you. Sorry about that. That's okay. You're back in action. And uh, before we uh, move on, I just want to remind everybody that uh, this upcoming Sunday, April 6th, is the White Plains Reptile Expo. And, uh, of course, I'll be there with Steve, and Steve and I are going to have just an amazing table set up. He's going to have some snakes and some geckos. Um, he's brought some really, really fine uh, Snow Las Vegas patternless uh, males with him, especially. Um, these are from my line that, are, that I've been developing, and they're very nice. So definitely, uh, if you're interested in one of those, there's only a few left. You're, you're getting one, right, Daryl? You want me to bring you yes, one? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll definitely do that. And also, um, uh, I think Fat from Ohio Gecko is going to be there. So, you know, he's one of our sponsors, so he's going to be there. And, of course, Dale's Bearded Dragons will be there. If you guys need any supplies at the show, Mention Gecko Nation Radio, and Dale's Beard of Dragons is going to give you uh, immediate 10% off. Okay, so don't forget about that. Also, um, if you are listening to this show and you're downloading it maybe two, three years from now, and uh, leopard geckos are still going strong in herpetoculture, which I'm sure they are, you are going to want to check out. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Yes, that's right. We are proud. Gecko Forums is awesome. All you. right, I'm not going to waste. I'm not going to waste any more time, and I'm going to go ahead and bring on Christy from Ghoulish Geckos. Christy, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Christy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um. Right off the bat, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in herpetoculture and then, more specifically, uh, leopard geckos. Um, Really, I was around a little bit of reptiles growing up, but not very much until probably when I was in high school. I was around a little bit. I really didn't start keeping my own until a while after I got married. Um, With the leopard geckos, after owning just one, I really wanted to learn, like, everything I could about them. I started reading up on the morphs and the genetics and just found it really, really fascinating. 
So I started breeding, I think, about seven years ago. Seven years. Okay, that's, that's, that is yeah. a long time. That's, and you've been focusing on uh, what types of projects since then? Um, I tried, like, a little bit here and there just to see what I really, really liked. And, and Eclipse have really been the ones that have stuck with me the most. I've worked with a lot of different things. I really like subspecies. Um, I've done things with tangerines, blizzards just like white and yellow, Enigma, a little bit of everything that I can, but Eclipse are basically mm-hmm. my main project. And you're so much so that people have dubbed you the Eclipse Queen. Uh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, I don't call myself that, but it's. I think it's cute that when I hear people say it. Yeah, no, that's cool. How did you, how did you uh, decide to um, come up with the name uh, Ghoulish Geckos for your operation? We basically are like big horror fans here, so we watch movies, TV shows, I read a lot of books, anything that's kind of like horror, mystery, sci-fi, and I had a friend that was helping me come up with names, and she came up with Ghoulish Geckos, and it just stuck. It does It does have a nice ring to it. It complements each other pretty good. Uh, what's yes, your, what kind Thank of horror you. movies do you like? Everything. Everything old, so, cheesy, new, doesn't matter. How about how about Dead Alive, Andrew Jackson's movie? Did you ever see that? Dead Alive, yes, yes. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but yeah, I do like that one. Can you believe that he's the same guy that did the Lord of the Rings movies? No, no, not at all. It's it's, it's weird, right? When you watch Dead Alive mm-hmm. and then you you see what he's done with the Lord of the Rings, it, I just think it's incredible. But yeah, I mean, it's completely for, different. For horror movies, though, you would for what went into Dead Alive, I think it's pretty for its time and the budget. I think you did a crazy good job, though. You know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I like the the priest. Uh, uh, what is he? I kick butt for the Lord. I think he used to say the priest in the movie. That's pretty funny. <laughs> hey, Daryl, jump in. Yeah, do you have any questions for Christy before we get into the main part of the interview? Hi, Christy. Uh, Hi. Yeah, I'm having trouble with my phone. I get keep getting kicked off. But anyway, yeah, my my, my big deal is 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 not knowing a whole lot about them. Uh, what do you think? Which combos does it work best with, in your opinion? And which one does it work work worst, or you know, not as well with, in your opinion, and why? Um, I think Eclipse is really cool with anything, but any of the white geckos, it's harder to know if it's an Eclipse. Because sometimes with, like, a blizzard, you can have a blizzard with ha- that will have, like, partially eclipse eyes but won't have the eclipse gene. So sometimes it's hard to tell because you don't see the, the white nose or the white feet or anything that gives you, like, a sign to it. I think it works really well just by itself as a gene, and it works really well with, like, raptors, radars, you know, raiders, typhoons, um, the super snows look awesome with the eclipse gene. I think the white geckos look good with the eyes, but you can't always tell right away if it's an eclipse or not without test breeding sometimes, unless you know the genetics 100%. Sure. Mm, So, Christy, you were were doing this. You probably got uh, your first eclipses when they were really, um, like, very, very popular, probably soon after they first started, you know, really making the mainstream uh, breeder circle, more or less, right? Um, Shortly after, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. So do you remember all those crazy times when, you know, people were, I, I guess, uh, mixing the eclipse with the, the bells and the typhoons? I mean, the, the rainwater's trying to 
make the uh, the other versions mm-hmm. of the Raptor? Yeah. What was, what, yeah was, uh, ever... what, what do you remember about that time? Because I wasn't in it then. Um, it was really hard to find pure eclipses. It's really it was really hard to find them without the Trumper gene because of Trumper being the one that discovered it and came out with it. They were basically all het for Trumper. Mm. So breeders trying to breed the Trumper out of it took quite a while. Right. And that's basically what. I mean, it do took you really do you really think they ever breed the Trumper out of it all the way? I hope so. I would hope <laughs> after so many years that yes, it would be out of it. But you know, there's so many people that skip the test breeding. So many people that just kind of go with what it is, and sure. it's hard to know 100%. Right. But I think there are some pures out there. Have you developed your own pure line now, Christy? No, I actually have not. Um, I basically just bre- have been breeding for the look that I like, and I have a specific line for the trumpers and a specific line for the bells that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, some is, of them uh, have not is, been... I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, some of them haven't proven to be het trumper or het bell 100% yet, so I don't really know if they are het, but that's the lines that I work with and where they came from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, having a a line of pure eclipses, I think, is is very important just for the for the future of morph making in general. And I think there's mm-hmm. like some yeah some of the more responsible breeders out there should sort of like be stewards to certain projects. Like mm-hmm. I know that Marsha has been working very hard on her pure patties. And if um, you know if other people can be known for one specific thing and kind of be a steward for that going forward in the future, I think it'll be good mm-hmm. for everyone. I agree. You know? I, I, I yeah. think a lot of the older the older morphs, for lack of a better term, you can see it with the subspecies coming back into play. I think the further we get away from this, those are going to be uh, of more importance to breeders in the long run, having the pure old stuff that you know exactly what it is, and the subspecies as well. I think that's a good idea. I agree. Yeah. What do you think about subspecies? Do you work with any of those, Christy? I have quite a bit. Um, I'm not really working with too much right now, but I have worked with, I want to say, maybe four different types. I'd really love to work with some of the stuff I've seen that's really, really hard to get still. I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Daryl's going like quite a little collection there. I've got a bunch. Yeah, I like uh, <laughs> the only thing I don't have are pure Afghans. And EFAS, oh, really? yeah. I just well, we're gonna fix that. Yeah, we're working on that. That's exactly right. But I, I'm old school, you know. I mean, I used to keep snakes in the '80s, and uh, you know, the pure stuff is really what entices me. Um. Well, you know, I think for for people, Daryl, I brought Daryl into this discussion, especially too, because you know, he's he's like very new morphs and combos and he is a very wise guy in the sense where you know he's definitely seeking out uh, really good genetics and doing it right from the get and uh, you know Christy like this is going to be good this will be a good show for new breeders and new hobbyists that basically just have these questions about morphs and 
um, just can't figure them out. Like this, like the Eclipse Gene, even after four, almost five seasons of me working with it, like I'll breed it, mm-hmm. uh, my Eclipses to certain things, and I'll expect a certain outcome, and then every once in a while I'll get a gecko that looks completely crazy and weird. And yes, sometimes that happens, yeah. Yeah, so what what's actually happening, like, with the unpredictability sometimes with the Eclipse Gene, in your experience? What do you think is going on there? I honestly, I'm not real sure. I'm For the most part, most of mine look very similar. Some of them are a little stripy. Most of them are really spotty. Once in a while, I'll pop out like a banded, and mm. I don't know where it comes from. And it's very, <laughs> very rare, but it happens. And none of my animals that I'm breeding are banded. And then the eyes, the eyes are always different. Sometimes and I get snake eyes, partial, full, sometimes one of each, sometimes barely any eclipse in the eye. It's very, it's variable for me. What, what do you, you know, think some, causes the, sorry Dave, what, what do you think no, causes the snake eye effect? I honestly, I'm not sure. I, it's my favorite look personally for eclipses. Me too. I like know, them a, a lot. Yeah, I, I like it as well. And there's a lot of people that think, oh, you know, I would rather have the solid red or the mm-hmm. solid black eclipse eye. You know, I, I'm kind of like you. I've, I've got a, I've got a male bandit that I got from Ron that snake eyed, and I mean, he is just awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. And it's nearly fifty-fifty on both eyes. It just looks really cool. Yeah, I, I like it more. A lot of people still are under the impression that it's not an eclipse unless it has solid eyes. I have a lot of people that argue that and question it. And it's hard to explain to people the eclipse gene because that's automatically what they think is solid eyes. Sure. But majority of mine are not solid eyed. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick Ron's brain on that one of these days whenever I visit with him. Well, let me me put this out there, too. Do you think, uh, now, because of these outcomes with the eyes especially, now, for people that don't know, the eclipse gene... Uh, one of the most visible features of it is how it affects the pigmentation of the gecko's eyes. So basically, you can have the gecko will come out and it'll have eyes that um, look like an eclipse. That's how it's got a name, like like the, the moon when it's eclipsed with the shadow. Mm-hmm. You'll get different, you know, levels of that. Now, yeah. I'm with you, Christy, where I think the snake eye effect is more desirable, but you know, the solid black eyes kind of give them like a uh, like almost like a, a robotic look. They don't even look. It takes away from their overall expression uh, mm-hmm. to me, you know. Um, so exactly. Now yeah. The, yeah. So, but then again, worldwide, from what I've heard, the solid black eyes and the solid red eyes of the raptors are more desirable. Uh, it seems people would rather have that. But um, you know, I guess it's what you like. Do you think, yeah. in your experience working with them, do you think that the eye pigmentation levels? can be um, manipulated with line breeding. So, like, if you're breeding solid black eyes to solid black eyes, you're going to continue to get solid black eyes, or have you seen mixed results? I haven't really seen it, but I believe John has seen that. I believe I read Mm -hmm. something that he has been able to see a reduced amount when he breeds very reduced amount pigments. I haven't really tested it. Yes, I believe it was him that did it. I haven't really seen it yet, but I only... I only have, I think, one animal that has solid black eyes, so I haven't really tested the theory out. Most of mine are snake-eyed or partial snake-eyes. Okay, so then I would assume that you continually get more snake-eyes then from yours. 
right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still pop oh. out some solid ice sometimes. So. <laughs> okay. Somebody somebody once told me that they think that the eclipse gene could be a line print treat, and you know I kind of I kind of scoffed at it at first because you know everybody supposedly knows that it's recessive and it mm-hmm. seems to act recessive, but then again, at some times when you you know, pair an eclipse to something um, that isn't head eclipse or isn't an eclipse, sometimes some of those traits carry on. Like I've seen them come out like with a patternless effect and mm-hmm. uh, some striping. Um, what do you think? I, Is there any possibility to that? I think maybe the patternless stripe part of the gene comes out with whatever you breed it to. I think okay. the eclipse part, the eyes, the nose, all of that, I think from what I've seen has been recessive. But I think that with the patterning and the coloring, is you can definitely line breed it to a certain effect. Okay. Another mystery for a lot of breeders, even experienced breeders, is exactly mm-hmm. how, how stripes and reverse stripes and patternless stripes work and how to predict those outcomes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even when I breed stripes together and patternless stripes together, I get a variety of different outcomes. Is there any way to determine, like, is there any, I don't know, what are your insights on stripes and reverse stripes? Um, I haven't really worked a whole lot. I've worked a little bit with bold stripes, but I've always bought animals with, like, the darkest stripes that I could find and tried Mm -hmm. to reproduce that. Um, With the patternless stripes, I... Some of my animals come out with the actual stripes that end up kind of red, but most of my eclipses come out really spotty, so I haven't really noticed if there's, like, a way to predict specifically for it. Now, I have noticed Mm -hmm. that when I wasn't breeding eclipse to eclipse back when I was doing more hets, that a lot of my het eclipses would have that patternless stripe look. Interesting. Okay. All right, we have a caller on the line. I'm going to go ahead and take this call. Caller from uh, 253 Area Code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Christy. This is Elsa. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Hi, Elsa. Um, I, ha- I have a qu- Hi, Dave. I have a question about... Uh, I've got um, uh, one Tremper albino male and that is 66% het for eclipse. Okay. And and he's a juvie. And I was wondering what what kind of uh I'm looking for some ladies to introduce him to next year. And I'm okay. I'm just wondering I'm just wondering what what you would suggest uh that I might take that. I think you can do a variety of different types, but I would definitely breed it to something that has the eclipse gene to see if you can prove that out, whether it's like an eclipse het for tremper or if it's a raptor or if it's a mac raptor, white and yellow raptor, anything that has the gene present that you can visually see. That way you can try to prove out that 66% to see if he is 100%. Okay. I brought you back on, Elsa. Oh, you're fine. Okay. Okay. Any other questions, Elsa? That's it. I'm I'm through. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's a tough question. You can you can yeah you can go so many different ways with that. Yeah. What what do you do? I'm sitting here thinking that myself. You know, being a new guy. What what would you do? And yeah. 
you definitely got to make sure, try to figure out if he is Eclipse, and then figure out which way you want to go. What are you What are you looking for? Mhm. What are some of the other projects that you uh, that you really uh, enjoy to work with, Christy? Um, Flapper gecko wise or non gecko wise? Yes, gecko wise, and then we'll get into your other animals. I know you keep uh, another uh, pretty good variety of stuff. Um, with leopard geckos, I've really cut down a lot and narrowed it down to mostly the different eclipse groups that I've been working with and a little bit of, like, the blood hypo stuff. I really, I was working with some different things, but I always tend to, like, cut back, and then I bring new things in and try different things out. Um, I like the white and yellow gene. I like the enigma genes as long as they're not acting weird. Um, any type of... Any of the morphs that are combo morphs with the Eclipse basically is what I would work with. What's your favorite you combo? Of... Sorry, Nick. What's your favorite I... combo to mix it with? Honestly, I love the Pure Eclipses the best. Like, I I don't mind mixing it with the Albino, but my favorite thing to hatch is still just a regular Eclipse. You know, that's that. I, I think I'm leaning that way as well. I've got the, the, the best Eclipse animal that I The one I like the best is a... A Max Snow Eclipse female, mm-hmm. and man, she is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and that's that's my from my statement earlier. I think you're going to see a lot of people revert back to just instead of having three, four, five combos in there, getting back to one good one or two, and really working that out to the best of their advantage. I think that's the ticket. Yeah, I've been doing a variety. I like to mix it up a little, but I like to just produce just the regular eclipses, but a specific look that I go for. What is that look you're looking for? Orange. A lot of orange. <laughs> you and my son, he's a Longhorn right. fan, yeah. <laughs> I see it right now. I'm on her, I'm on her Facebook page. And, uh, I saw that, I yeah. Post this, I'll post this picture in the group, I mean in the chat room. This one is, is beautiful, Christy. It's, Smoking, it's the yeah. one, I guess it's, it's the one with your engagement ring, your hand. Uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, okay. it's a really nice. It looks like a yeah. It looks like a blue spotty cliff. It's got bright tangerine, and right. oh, it's incredible. Thank now, you. What I yeah, what I've noticed about eclipses just from working with them is also that it kind of like to line breed for for an orange or tangerine eclipse isn't always the most easiest thing to do, and like you can have just a plain eclipse and like you were saying earlier, some of them will come out banded and some come out weird mm-hmm. and dark and spotty. Um, what do you think it'll take? I mean, I know some breeders like Matt have, have these solar eclipses that have a lot of nice orange. Um, mm-hmm. what, is it about, what do you think it is about the eclipse gene um, that kind of holds back some of that color from seeping through? But I think you've pretty much nailed it with that one orange one that I just spoke about. What do you think is going on yeah. there? Um, I think it really is the animals that you start with. I think a lot of people end up with more of the black spotted ones, and I think that you're going to end up with more black spots. I also think that the gene that brings all the white into their faces and their arms and things, it's possible that it affects the color. I don't really know if it does or if the patternless stripe gene affects it at all. But I think the key is just starting with the right animals and working from there. Well, they do okay. it with horses and, I, and dogs and everything else. You want the best of the best to get the best, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Right. 
So for me, I specifically look for certain animals that have a lot of orange, even if they're not an eclipse and they're like a head eclipse. If it's something that I think will work, I can usually kind of just spot it and mix it in with what I already have. Right. I'll I'll tell you something funny, and I'm sure you probably experienced something similar, Christy. Um, I have these beautiful uh, Tremper emmerings that are all possible head eclipse and um, Tremper extreme, you know, well, that's what I mean, extreme emmerings, albino emmerings. So occasionally, occasionally when I breed them together, I will produce a raptor version. Now, the normal extreme emmerings are incredibly high contrast and bright, colorful, but the eclipse, when the eclipse gene is in there, it makes them like a, a not even a, like a nice tremper, normal tremper albino. They get washed out. They're like a beige, dull color. And I know hmm. that genetically that they can produce incredible things. But it yeah. seems like in my yeah, it seems like in my experience, like the eclipse gene kind of ruins the effect of some of these extreme emmerings. Have you ever seen something like that happen? I haven't with my animals, no, but I've never really worked much with the emmerines, so I'm not really sure if that makes a difference or not. Um, I do notice a lot of MAC eclipses end up a lot lighter looking. I mean, a lot of the ones I've seen end up very, like, pastel, light-colored. I don't know if that makes a difference, if it's from the eclipse gene that does that or if it's something else. Hmm. Yeah, This, this is why people get so thrown off by this gene. Now, it's not just it's not just the eye pigment trait, though, right? That's what, there's more to the eclipse than just the eye pigment, isn't there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, now, do you, think, do you think it's all combined together, or do you think it's just from over the years they kind of linked up that way? What do you think is going on with that? I think that, you know, the raptor is the albino version of the eclipse, and what went into the raptor was, like, the orange, the patternless stripe the pigment, the eye pigment, the albino, I think that all of those things were put in for the eclipse, and the eclipse is that minus the albino part. So I think it's a combination of traits over the years that were worked in together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've got a pair of of the uh, Tremper Pastel Raptors here, and... Man, the, the male's a giant, and female, I, I can't figure her out. I don't know. Ron told me I was lucky. I bought it pretty pretty young, and he didn't know it was going to be a giant male. But, but yeah, that pastel, there's something going on there because they are, mine are real pastel yellows and oranges. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be something, something else going on there. I don't know what, but. They look different to me as far as coloration goes. I, I can't wait to see mm-hmm. some babies out of that. But I, I think you're right. I, I, my, my question to you was, though, is do you think whenever you combine that eclipse, which does some funky things with the color like that and washes some stuff out or whatever, when you mix it with the white and yellow, does it make it worse? Does it get it really, really pastel-y, so to speak, for lack of a better term? I've seen... Some that yeah, I've seen some that have gotten that have been really really light. I've also seen some where the orange is really orange. Wow. Yeah, got to try that. that. That's interesting. I, I like the white and yellow gene as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't have that many. I just got one from Dave here the other day, and then I've got a bell. I've got a bell white and yellow lavender male 
that is really, really nice. And it, it, that white and yellow just does some weird stuff. Yes, it does. It's neat. I have a feeling the, um, that this upcoming season, everyone is going to have white and yellows for sale. So don't worry, Daryl. I'm sure you'll have no problem finding more. <laughs> I think everybody's yeah. gotten... Yeah, everybody's got to the point where they've secured their mails and they're probably just reading mails, mail white mails for just about everything they have. And uh, <laughs> I can totally see the market completely flooded with white and yellows this season and next season. Um, you know, I think that's going to be, yeah, I think that's going to be something else that we'll be deconstructing in the future if people don't keep, like, certain things pure, like, without it. Because, you know, like like the Enigma gene, you know, mm-hmm. They're cool, but we're gonna. If we keep having combos, we're gonna lose these original, beautiful lines that we've worked on so for so long. Um, exactly. Yeah. So you know, you mentioned Christy that you do have some experience working with enigmas, and uh, enigmas can be uh, either loved or hated by people in the community. And and I've seen some pretty harsh things that people say about them, and I've mm-hmm. seen some you know, bad things that people say about breeders that even keep them as pets, and, uh, yeah. which is, you know, I think that's a little excessive. But um, what, are your, what are your feelings about enigmas in general, and, and what are you working with with them? I see a couple of cool ones here on your page. Um, I've worked with, like, the Bell Enigma, Tangerine Enigma, the Bees, the Dreamsicles, things like that. Um. The majority, I always try to make sure that when I bought from a breeder that it wasn't showing any, like, signs. I've only hatched out a couple that have really had issues to where it had caused any type of problem. I do know there are some very extreme cases, and I feel horrible when those hatch, when people hatch them. So it is like a mixed feeling for me. I absolutely love what the gene does to the colors and the animals. Yeah, do you? Do you? Say, I, I've only got one here, and she's she's not she doesn't show any of the symptoms. Uh, the only thing I do notice is she she's she's a little finickier finickier when it comes to feeding. Mhm. And but I mean she doesn't do any of the stargazing or the spinning or flopping around or any of that. You know, my my mm-hmm. question is is being a newbie in the field of of the enigma as well. Do you think? Is you know like you're saying you try to pick the best of the best obviously and mm-hmm. the ones that are not showing the syndrome. Do you think that's why you've only hatched out a couple? Do you think if you keep it uh, to where you're only breeding the best, uh, uh, the best animals you know that aren't showing the the syndrome? Do you think your chances are better at keeping them that way versus oh well this one's pretty even though it's it's flopping around on its back, I want to breed it because it's pretty. Do you think that that has something to do with it? Like, no, in other words, is it kind of like a line bread trait that if you keep good with good, you, you stand better chances of keeping it that way? I would hope that it would help a little bit. I honestly would never breed one that was showing a lot of issues. Right. Um, I do know that people, you know, it can an animal can show no signs at all for like years and then all of a sudden start acting weird. I think there's no way to predict it. A lot of people are trying to, like, try to breed out, but really nobody's been able to find a way to completely make it go away. There have been some people who have had luck with certain pairings where they've produced none that have shown any symptoms at all. But, you know, stress tends to bring it on, ovulation, shipping, 
things like that, um, bright light for the albino ones, tend to make them circle. Hmm. I really don't know yeah. if there's a way that, I, since nobody's brought it out yet completely, I don't know that there will be a way to. Right. Well, it, it's obviously neurological, so, I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. It's obviously it's obviously a gene transmitted disease as far as I'm concerned, but of course I'm no I'm no doctor. I just stayed at a holiday and express one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these these genetics with leopard geckos are you know, this is like a geneticist's dream. I mean somebody if, mm-hmm. if more actual yeah, if more actual scientific geneticists got involved with leopard geckos in wanted to experiment. Like, these animals are easier to work with, can't be any more perfect for all different mm-hmm. types of experiments. You would think that more more of that would be going on. I, I You know, right now, we're, all of us, we're all breeders. We're all trying to figure it out. A lot of us are very helpful. We try to share our information and our knowledge with everyone. Um, I think we would all benefit, though, if some real geneticists got involved and started working with these things and... Jeez. No money in it, Dave. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh, that's it. I if, guess. if you could, I if you could come up with something and say, oh, if you had this leopard gecko, uh, whatever, it cures cancer, then then you would have billions of dollars thrown <laughs> at it, and you'd know the sequencing tomorrow. <laughs> You're probably right. Maybe there's some kind of um, something special in their tails or something that might. You never know. Though. There you go. There, there could be. Yeah. There really could be something. But maybe they're. You know, shed skin has some kind of chemical in it that would be helpful. You never know. Exactly. We won't know though unless they decide to work with them. You know, it's right. like. Jeez. I can't get over. Well, this in, in the good old U.S. of A., it's always follow the money. You yes, know, anything that's that's anything is follow the money. Yeah. Well, you know, Christy, do you have any specific husbandry uh, uh, tricks uh, that you can help us with? I mean, I know a lot of um, probably beginners are going to definitely tune into this show too for the for the uh, genetic explanation of the eclipse gene. So mm-hmm. why don't why don't we help them out a little bit too and uh, touch on some husbandry and um, okay. how do you keep your your geckos? They're very basic. Um, I started in tanks, but as the collection grew, I ended up moving to racks. Um, I keep them singly unless they're breeding. They're always alone. I never, ever mix at all except for just Mm -hmm. during breeding. Um, When I breed, it's one male with one female. I don't do groups. It's just easier for me to know. That way I know where my eggs came from. I know exactly what it is. Um, hot side, I usually like to keep it a little bit warmer. I usually have it around anywhere from like 92 to 94. Cool sides, like room temp, upper 70s probably. The room they're in is a little bit warmer from the heat tape. Um, You know, moist hide, paper towels, nothing fancy at all. I feed mealworms and dubias. That's pretty much it. Gut loaded, dusted, you know, water. Nothing real mm-hmm. fancy to it. What kind of uh, supplementation do you prefer? I use usually as a combination. I've been using like mineral, um, vinate, um, an os- osteoform, repcal, kind of like a combination. And I just kind oh, of okay. mix so it up. Okay. 
you have your own secret mixture or just you follow the directions? Yeah, I just pretty much just throw some on there and keep the calcium in the tubs all the time. Um, I throw a little bit of vionate in with my gut loads usually for the insects Mm -hmm. to eat too. Okay. How many leopard geckos are you keeping right now? I actually am down to about 20 or so. I really, really cut down. I didn't want to overproduce when the market started getting really flooded. It seemed like it was harder to move things and all mm-hmm. the things that people just wanted to get for, like, free. So I cut down, and I figured, you know, I'll work with just a few things that I really want to work with. And then as I see the market changing, I figured I can always increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are easy to increase, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. As long as you're keeping what you like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you still got to mm-hmm. – you can't keep them all, but I agree with that. Do what you like. Mm-hmm. Don't, do it for, don't do it for the money. You'll you'll go broke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, money I got a question for you. That if if you're talking about, you know, you keep them a little on the warmer side, which I do too, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm. You know, my heat, my heat end of it will might get up to you know ninety, ninety four or so five in the afternoon, here in Texas especially, and you know, and get a little cooler at night. But uh, do you notice that I, I've noticed this in just my little bit of time I've done it that, that the females really, really, really when they're getting close to laying like the last week is I mean they'll just lay right directly on the heat tape all the yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that too. I also noticed when I increased the temperatures just like a couple degrees that their appetites increased also, which is why I started keeping them a little bit higher. Right. I've seen that. Do you keep water with them all the time? You know, I've read some stuff where some guys with their adults, you know, guys, I use that term loosely, breeders, keepers, hobbyists, will not keep water with them all the time. Do you keep water with I, yours all the time? I do keep water with them all the time, yes. I do too. I feel good about doing that. I'm the same way. I mean, I can see why misting the tubs is, you know, easy and you can mm-hmm. definitely get away with that, but there's something about keeping the water in there that just makes me feel good. Like, I actually yeah. see them drink out of the bowls. So if they're drinking, yeah. then I'll keep water in the bowls for them. Well, you know, a lot of people say whether they're ready, you know, they live in the desert, blah, blah, blah. But you got to realize that in the heat of the day, these guys are underground probably mm-hmm. where the temperature is probably upper 60s and moist. You know, that that's my thing. Because so. I noticed you, you, put a nest box in, you, you put a nest box in with these females and they, they stay in it a lot, even if they're not ready to lay. Yeah, I have a lot of males that like to stay in the moist hide. Sure. Okay, we have another caller here, guys. Yep, we have a caller from the 316 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Angela. I was actually mostly just calling to listen. (laughs) Oh, oops. But that's okay. Um, I can think of something to ask Christy. Um, I should actually let her know um, the little black hole that I got recently was um, a baby out of an enigma that Sean Gray got from her, I guess. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. he's doing amazing. Oh, my gosh. He is so funny. Last night I'm I was trying to moisten his, his paper towel. Oh, that's so cool. I yeah. was moistening his paper towel. He's trying to lick the nozzle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to crawl in my hand when I wouldn't let him do that. It was so funny. But um, actually, um, I was going to ask um, – ah, no, I'm spacing out. Sorry, I've been sick all day. Um okay. 
<laughs> it is uh, uh sorry. Um hold on a second. Okay, Angela, take a time. Okay. Take a breath. <laughs> Deep breath. Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Bless you. Okay. Um I was gonna ask, I've noticed he has not shown even in spite of being shipped, um, he is showing no signs of enigma syndrome whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um you know, other than being really, really friendly out of the box, which, you know, is not something I've experienced really with any of my others before, um, you know, not a problem one. And I'm wondering, you know, is that, you know, your experience with his line, you know, that they're really that, you know, just non-symptomatic, I guess is the way to put it. You know, his mom was, uh, she was an outcross with a fascio, I believe, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's helped or not. Um, I actually got the mom from Jess from Fallen Angel Geckos, and she mm-hmm. that gecko never showed a single sign. She ate like a pig. She never had any problems with balance or anything. Yeah, well, I can already guarantee that this one's a piggy. I uh, put mealworms in when I put him first into his tub, and he emptied the dish in two days. <laughs> so first day I got him, so... Um, actually, I'm thinking about uh, pairing him not, you know, more than maybe one year because I don't want to produce a whole bunch of Enigma babies, mm-hmm. you know, and anything. But um, I'm thinking of pairing him with my Super Radar, but I realize he's got better aim hunting and everything than she does. She's a horrible hunter. Yeah, I've <laughs> and, noticed and I'm that wondering, with some you know, of the bells. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, uh, have you noticed that with some of the albino eclipses that they don't have as good of aim, you know, or, or, or like depth perception? I noticed that in a bell blazing blizzard that he just, the light bothered him so much, and he really would strike at anything, like just fingers? blindly. Did he ever go like for your fingers, like if you're trying to put food uh-huh. in? Yep. Yeah, that's what she does. She she goes on attack, and you know, and then she doesn't try to bite me, but you know, she she aims at me, and you know, thinks I'm giving her food when I'm just reaching in. Mm-hmm. She's a dork. I love her, but you know, I just I was wondering if that was pretty common for the the uh, eclipse albinos in particular. But um, I don't know so much if it's just the eclipse albinos. I've just noticed it, like in the Bell Blazing Blizzard. I noticed it in some of the Bell Enigmas. I've never really noticed it in the Trumper gene. Well, that's good. <laughs> I have a few of those this year, too, and I'd hate to think I'm going to get a bunch more Eclipse babies going, I can't see. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I should probably let you guys go, but... Okay. <laughs> Thank you for calling Thanks, Angela. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That raises a question for me. Do you think that there's some... Uh, like you were saying, do you think the Tremper line is better with the Enigma issues over the Rainwaters or the Bells, or what? Do you, do you think it plays a difference in in which which strain you're using? I don't know if it honestly if it does or not. Um, I know that Bells were the first ones, and I think a lot of those being the first ones showed a lot more of the issues, and as things were outcrossed more. Maybe some of the issues weren't as strong. I don't know if that's really the case, though. Well, I got to think of that when you were talking, when you were answering Angela's question. I was wondering, with you with you crossing the E. fascio in there, the, a pure species, I bet that strengthened the gene as well. 
Mm-hmm. It, it can't do anything but help it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, good idea. Yeah. Um, do you think that with the eye pigmentation uh, in the eclipse eye, do you think it affects their vision in any way, Christy, in your experience? I haven't seen it really. Um, I notice a lot of my eclipses, like, stare me right in the eyes, like, when mm-hmm. I go to take care of them. They climb up and they look me directly in the eyes. I don't know if they can see as well or why they do that, but they tend to do that. I've never noticed any issues with them, like, missing their food or anything like that. Okay. Um, now, this is this is a question that I like to ask a lot of people, and I, I get varying degrees of answers from it. What do you think, how smart do you think leopard geckos are? And um, do you have any interesting experiences with them that show different, you know, intelligence levels per se? I think that they're smarter than a lot of people think. I don't know if they all are because I've had some that probably aren't real smart, but I do have some that I honestly think know the difference between me and other people that they actually mm-hmm. can recognize me. I've been able to hold them and have them completely calm the second I pick them up, but if they go to somebody else, they're fidgety, they're trying to get away, the second they're placed back in my hand and see that it's me, they're completely calm again. I don't know right. if they really recognize me or if it's sight, scent, sound, what it is, but they're completely different how they are with me versus if they have to go to my husband or a vet or somebody else. Right. Yeah. Do, do you think they sense that, like you're talking about? I've seen that as well. Do you think they sense the, you know, yeah, they know you, or, or do you think they just sense that this person's really not gonna endanger me, and they're not sure about somebody else? It could be. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. My husband's had to take care of him a few times, like when I've been like ill or something, and you know, he's always really gentle with them, but they don't calm with him the same way that they do with me same with my daughter like they just have never they're not calm with her well you know dogs are that way as well you know whenever you're you know you get dogs around small children there's a lot of them that are really skittish because they don't they you know they don't trust them they know that they Mm -hmm. could hurt them by accident i think i geckos are the same way they realize they're you know not the biggest the biggest animal in the forest so to speak yeah i wonder if it's a if it's some, it's more the energy they sense, or if it's the, the smell of the person. I would, I would guess it's probably a combination of of the two, or more. Um, yeah. But I, I, like Christy was saying, I, I've seen my geckos. They, they look me straight in the eye sometimes, and mm-hmm. it's like, right. you know, yeah, and it's almost like you know they're thinking, and there's like a, a moment there where there's a connection, and it's it's very interesting. I, I always say it, but I think that a lot of I think most animals, and even insects, some insects, they're only limited in the ways that they're able to communicate with us, and they're not stupid at all. And, uh, you know, we just don't have a very good understanding of different types of animal intelligences. And I just think it's fascinating. Every year that I work with genetics and work with leopard geckos, I learn more about people, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. than, than, you know, and I learn about reptiles because I, I believe that everything is related to genetics and uh but have you learned anything from anything interesting through breeding animals christy like that um i just i don't know i've always had like a very strong connection with animals and animals mm-hmm. even scared animals are usually calm with me 
I, I don't know if it has anything to do with their intelligence or just if they perceive people differently, like they know there's a difference between somebody who's afraid of them or who wants to hurt them or if they sense that. I, I'm not real sure what it is about it. Well, you have a very calming voice, so I'm I'm imagining you're not, I don't know you <laughs> personally, but I, I can't see you being like as a very high-strung tense or nervous person. You don't seem that way at all just from talking to you. So maybe <laughs> maybe they, it's your energy. They, they, you know, they it can, could be. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I've always been like a bit of a nervous person my whole life. Like I'm always worried about things and you know, mm-hmm. hoping everything is, you know, I, I get stressed. I, I overthink things. That's my problem. And uh, I, I should just I relax and chill too. out. That's it. The animals <laughs> call me. Yeah. Oh, y'all just need to y'all just need to get twenty years on you, and you'll 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 start <laughs> letting all the no, you won't sweat the trivial things. You'll you'll just stay on the big big topics. <laughs> really? Okay. Is that what I have to look forward to? Yeah, that's what you get to look forward to in your golden years. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I guess it makes sense. You know, the, the you know the older you get, the wiser you get about things. I I have been even just in the last five years, I've learned so much that you know, that I didn't in my youth and I have definitely chilled out a lot and just realized that things, you know just enjoy the animals. Have fun. Don't get crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get right. don't get a you know, this is supposed to be a fun thing. Don't let don't let it stress you out. And you know, that's definitely something that a lot of people out there should definitely try to do. Um I do see a lot of competition in the leopard gecko community and <laughs> yes. you know, I think competition is good in a lot of ways. Um I, I think, though, that because there's animals involved and these are living things, that it, it changes that. And I think um, competing, in a sense, I, I, I don't know if it's such a positive thing because we are working with animals and they need our, they deserve our respect and kindness. And I think they, I think a different attitude should be the norm, so to speak, and we should be more of a community, I think, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not always possible. There's, you know, people just have different personality types, always line up right, and I get that. You know, that's that's always the case. But um, you know, with your, you've been in the community a long time now, uh, in the in the actual leopard gecko community, Christy. And mm-hmm. uh, what are your feelings on the community as a whole? I am seeing a lot of clashing. Um, I've noticed it more with Facebook than I did like on gecko forums. Um, I see too many egos, I think. I see too many people focusing on money or what they can do or how big they can be or how many followers they can have instead of focusing on just trying to be the best that they can be. Mm -hmm. I still see a lot of people out there like Marsha who goes out of her way to help people and to teach people and to make people better. And I wish we would see more of that. I want to see more sharing more people willing to talk about things that you don't always talk about because everybody has problems with their animals and nobody talks about it. And I'd like to just see more of that and more sharing of information and less competing for who's the better breeder and who can sell more animals and who can do more shows and all of those types of things. Everybody's yeah. not going right. I think that social media at its, at its greatest there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I used to raise snakes and do different things back in the 80s, you didn't have, 
he didn't have a computer at home, much less Facebook or Twitter or, mm-hmm. or any of this, you know, or Gecko forms for that matter. So you you did everything either by handwriting a note to somebody and putting it in the mail or calling them on the phone. So therefore, I think there was a whole lot more sense of of camaraderie, you know. And two, you know, the the thing back then, you were just trying to keep stuff alive, much less trying to breed it. Mm-hmm. Today, it's it's all about breeding, and you're right. I think the money issue comes into effect but how do you i mean i understand you know people are trying to protect their intellectual properties i understand mm-hmm. that but we're all dealing with the same genetics unless unless you've got something new that you're holding on to you know and i realize that that's always a possibility but i agree with you why not uh, uh like you say you know why not you know tell people oh don't do this you know if you breed this this with this, you know, you're going to get a worse side effect or or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. I, I, I'm with you. I think there needs to be more of that. And I don't. How, how do you think we go about changing that? Is my question. Setting a good example, I think. Honestly, there's always going to be people that are going to argue everything that you say. There's going to be people that complain about every little thing. But I think more people, more breeders, more people in the community that just set a good example and follow it will make a big difference. Yeah. That's so, that's so true. That's, that's so true. And I think we all need to just focus on our own. Like if we stop worrying about what so-and-so is doing or mm-hmm. whatever and just, you know, focus on our own things, our own goals, our own um, collections, that's the way to go. And that's what I've always tried exactly. to do. And, yeah. And and if you're if you're getting involved in somebody else's life, I mean, there's going to be clashes. I mean, you just, mm-hmm. you know, try just try to do your best on in your circle or in, in your, with your animals and do the best you can. It doesn't matter if you have five geckos or a hundred geckos, you know, just, exactly. just do, yeah, that, that's a good philosophy. And you know what? I am seeing a little bit of a trend out there where things are starting to shift to the more, um, less dramatic side. I mean, Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not. It's not everywhere. I, I, but I think yeah. a shift. Yeah, I think a little bit of a shift is occurring in the community because I think number mm-hmm. one, the old the old beasts are getting old. I mean, it's just you know who cares anymore. And yeah, you know, I I think there there are things that are happening that are positive and 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 not for nothing. But you know, the reptile community as a well, whole, we have bigger things to worry about. And mm-hmm. for, yes. you know, yeah, well, I in mean, the old days, like I was saying, if you if you had a guy that was you know, of course, there weren't near as many people, and you didn't have all the outlets that you do. But you know, it didn't take long for if somebody was causing trouble or or wasn't on the up and up with with what he was doing, and and you know, it didn't take long for him to get blackballed. And you know, the the community as a whole would would just kind of ostracize them, and then they would just fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You know, and whereas today, my deal is, if there's somebody out there that's that's always trying to nitpick what you're doing or, or belittle you or put you down, it's just because they're insecure themselves. Usually, yes. Yeah. And that's when you, that's, you know, and, but to send more negative energy back to that person isn't the right way. I think right. if we become right. more enlightened about, you're right there. I think if we become more enlightened about how to deal with these situations, there can be positive outcomes to even some of these conflicts, like, if, if both mm-hmm. parties understand what's going on and can actually, you know, sit down and communicate and and actually have a discussion over, all right, well, what exactly is the 
the conflict, and then there's always a way to resolve it. There, there's always mm-hmm. a resolution can be found. It's just when people are closed and they don't want to um, resolve things, that's a different story. Then, then it's yes. just, you know, just bad news. Hey, if you ever quit learning, there. you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always well, something to learn. Well, speaking about learning more, why don't we uh, take a quick break and then um, we're going to get into, we're going to ask Christy a little bit more about her uh, different animals. She's got a bunch of other different stuff going on. So everybody right. hang tight and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Okay. All right. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need. From Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types. From white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quealty food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com, or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest-quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets, for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at Expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. 
Okay, everybody, we are back. And at this time, I'd also like to remind everybody that um, Gecko Nation Radio and Herpentine Radio are affiliates. And if you are interested in expanding your lineup of reptile radios, definitely check out Herpentine. They have a wide uh, array of different guests and topics that they cover, and they've been going strong for over two years now. Okay, so they do shows about conservation, breeders. Um, recently, they did a great coverage of the Texas Rattlesnake Festival. Uh, definitely check it out. Great show. They're on Blog Talk as well. It's uh, www.blogtalkradio.com slash radio. And also, everyone, don't forget, take advantage of our sponsors. Mention Gecko Nation Radio, and they are going to hook you up. All right, we are back. I'm here with my great new co-host, Mr. Daryl Burton, and, of course, our lovely guest, Christy Hausman of Ghoulish Geckos. And uh, I think we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit about some of Christy's other um, interesting animals that she has. And, uh, you know, Christy, I'll just let you uh, run with this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your other interests in, her, in herps here? Okay. Um just I'm just starting to like branch out to breed other things, but I've been keeping some other types of animals. Um, I've had like bearded dragons, a tortoise. Um, we have a snapping turtle. Um, I just got a pair of chuck wallace. Well, I'm hoping they're a pair. They're unsexed right now, and I have a pair of yellow ackies that are breeding. We have some just kind of like a miscellaneous group of different types of animals. Mm-hmm. that I'm starting to work with. But the Ackies right now are the only other breeding project that I have going on. Uh, interesting. Yeah, blue toads as well, right? From? Excuse me? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just... All right, and then you go, Daryl. <laughs> I was going to say, um, where did you get your Ackies from? I actually got them from Craigslist, from somebody who had purchased them from a breeder named Krusty, who I I want to say he might be in Florida. He's a pretty popular Aki breeder from what I've seen, um, pretty well known. And this person had had them, had bought them from him, and decided that they weren't going to keep them anymore. And I just got really really lucky and found them at the right time. They're very. I think I was selling a cage and saw them. Yeah, they are. They're very very cool animals to work with. Hmm. Have you ever have you ever actually bred them yet, or are you just starting that now? They are. I have eggs incubating right now that have been in the incubator for just over a month, I think. Cool. And the females oh, starting to look gravid again. Thank you. So wow. hopefully I, they'll hatch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I was just talking with John Scarborough the other night about hackies, and he was saying that if you can if you can master their care, and if you can get to the point where they're Laying eggs for you, you know, you you mm-hmm. nailed it. That's it. They're they're going to do well and lay eggs almost all year round. I yeah, I've heard good things about you know that they can breed year round. Um, I I can tell the females gravid again. She's definitely getting the round center. They're constantly breeding, so hopefully mm-hmm. things will work out good with them. Oh, that's cool. Lots of luck with those. Jump in, Daryl. Go ahead. You also uh, keep blue tongues, right? I have one, yes. One? I like mm-hmm. those. My son really wants one of those as well. They're very sweet, yeah. I like them. The Chuck Wallas are cool. I had a friend of mine that back in the old days in Fort Davis, Texas, used to, he had several Chuck Wallas, and, and he kept them during the summer in outside enclosures, and, and he used to breed them 
because he kept them out there, I think, more than anything. Mm-hmm. But they're really, really cool. They've got some – they're neat to watch. They're – mannerisms and mm-hmm. habits and stuff. They're really cool. You'll enjoy those. Yeah, I love them those, so far. They're babies, though, but they're really neat. And they're, I guess, I'm guessing they're captive bred, right? Yes, they are. Nice, nice. Those are cool. Um, yeah, it, uh, this is, I see a really, what's this, uh, it almost looks like a collared lizard. What is this one on your page? It's, uh, it's, um, Baja, it's a Baja Blue Rock lizard. Yeah. I saw that. That was really neat, too. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty neat. They're really fast. They jump really high. Loves to eat. Just a really neat little animal. Is this pelican strike of yours? Or no, that's a dark picture. I'm looking <laughs> at your page and there's a, there's a... I'm looking at your page and there's a pelican strike. They're really nice. It looks like a salmon uh, or something. Oh, no, it's not a, mine. A, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah, cool. Do you keep... I noticed that you had a... I don't think they call them sabocularis anymore. What do they call them now? Bogertophus or whatever, the transpecus rat snake. Do you keep a lot of colubrids as well? I do not. Um, I have only two rat snakes left, and they're actually both for sale. Um, I thought maybe I might want to work with them, but then I'm kind of leaning against not. So they're really, really cool, though. I, I mean, there's some neat different morphs, different localities out there. Yeah, in the old days, those the... Uh I, I, we didn't. I, we, I remember getting what they're calling the silver morph now. Mm-hmm. We used to catch those in one place down in South Brewster County, just north of Big Bend National Park. In the blondes, there were two places where you could catch mm-hmm. the true blondes. And, and I mean, when I say catch them, it's not like going herping and just finding one. I mean, I was down there going to college for you know off and on for about six years, and I maybe found four. Mm-hmm. And that that's hunting, you know, fifty, sixty nights a year. Wow. And uh, but yeah, they just come from a couple of places, and they're really, really cool. Uh, the sabaks are really, or I think they're bogertophus now, but they're really, really interesting animals, and 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 definitely different. They 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 deserve to be separated out into their own mm-hmm. own genus, as far as I'm concerned. We knew that back in the '80s, but. Yeah, they have really cool eyes. I love their eyes. Yeah. And what are you really... selling them for? For, like... No, how much? Like, how much are you selling them for? What, oh, what is it? I, oh, I don't remember. They're on my page. <laughs> I'm not really sure how much I have them. Okay. They're not very much, though. Yeah, because that, an... that one's hit for silver and blonde, right? Isn't that, yeah. Isn't that what I saw? Mm-hmm. Well, I was just curious. I, when I saw, I saw the two rat snakes on there, and I didn't know if you had any other colubrids or, or stuff. No. Like I usually don't work well, with too many snakes. Which page are they on, Christy? Your Ghoulish Geckos page? Yeah, there's an Facebook. available album Facebook. under the album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was trying to find it. I wanted to see what you had, because I, I, like, uh, I like the Texas rats. I mean, not the Texas, the... Um, Trans- you know, the silver blondes and... Transpacers, yeah, I love how their eyes are kind of just out there, big time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you do you keep all your lizards and turtles and stuff inside in the summer, or do you do you do them outside, or do you keep everything? In? I, I know it gets too cold up there in the winter to do a whole lot outside. So, I yeah, we keep everything inside. Our everything temperatures inside. are so they change like every day here. Right. It it just seems like it really really tough i mean i'll bring like my tortoise outside a little bit but 
we can have one day where it's 95 and the next day it's like 60. Especially this this past winter, huh? It's been crazy, hasn't it? This winter's been horrible, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, what do you think? Uh, what What do you think um, you're going to be having for the next few seasons, as far as your uh, your projects go, Christy? Um, mostly like eclipse and raptors, um, radars, eclipse that are hot for Bell. Um, some probably some white and yellow in there, a little bit of Mac in there, um, maybe a little bit of Enigma. Probably mm-hmm. not a whole lot else unless I see something this year that I really want to try. Okay. But since I cut back, I cut back on most of the like other projects that I had. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's cool. Um, anything special with the actual Eclipse projects that you think you're going to be doing or...? I'm just hoping for more carrot tail with the orange bodies, with the orange spotting and orange bodies. Mm-hmm. Last season I was able to produce spot? a lot of carrot tail. Um, they look pretty cool. Um, most of mine that have, like, the pretty decent-sized spots, they tend to, like, look normal as they get older. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the color fills in a little bit or it just fades, like, to a light color. But I'm interested to see what other people will produce with them. Yeah. No, I always enjoyed the blue spot eclipses. I think they're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, different. Very different. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Daryl, do you have anything else uh, for Christy tonight? Do you uh, do you tend to like to – do you stay with the bell? I know you say bell a lot. Do you, do you like the bell over the trimper whenever you're doing your eclipse stuff and – um, I actually work more with the Trumpers. I have a larger yeah. Trumper group, um, so that's what I've been working with the longest. That's what I've – the line that I've worked with for a lot longer has been the Trumper line. Um, the Bells, I've just started producing in the last couple of years. Okay. All right. Well, how about, how about, gonna... do, you just, do you just do the Max Snow, or do you do you do any of the other snow jeans as well, or just do you just – I have worked with gems and, like, the line breads in the past, but right now just I think I only have maybe one animal that has the MAC gene. Ah. Okay, Dave. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I guess we'll we'll wrap things up. And, uh, Christy, um, I'd like to give you this chance to um, leave any closing remarks for the the listeners and also to uh, give out your information so people can find you. Sure. um, Closing remarks, I guess. Just, you know, don't let people tell you what you should work with. Do what you like. Do it for the right reasons. And try to enjoy the hobby more. Um, Stop fighting with people and start supporting each other because there's just too many laws trying to be passed right now. And I think we really need to work together as a community to start helping out with everybody. And you can find me at ghoulishgeckos.com and ghoulishgeckos on Facebook. Awesome. Great message, Christy. Yeah. Thank hey, man, I'm with you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much for having yeah. me. Thanks, Thanks Christy. Anytime. Take care. Thank you. Oh, she's, she's right on about that, huh, Daryl? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 it in a nutshell. We've got governments to fight and everything else, not not uh, picking off ourselves in the meantime. I agree yeah. with that. I mean, well, I think, you know, a lot of people are under stress today, and, 
from different areas of their lives, and, you know, that can raise tensions, and so to speak. But, um, you know, to, to, I don't know, to have conflicts with others that are basically, you know, in the same family. We're all in the same family. Like, we all have the same passion for something. Right. I mean, of course, you know, personalities will definitely be different, but we, we should all, I think, have a mutual respect for each other and if that's possible then you know you know then we can we'll be able to succeed in this and we won't i think we'll just uh we'll just be all around better if that can be done i think it's happening i think uh, we see it in the in the gecko nation group big time you know it's definitely yeah the, I, you know we're all different we're all raised different we live in different parts of the country but what we have to remember is we're all after the same end product you know What's best for the leopard gecko community? What's best for the reptile community? I mean, you you know, you branch it out, but I, I think you're right. I think you have a few. It's just like always. You have a few, few that struggle, and uh, and uh, you know, as as they said, as my teacher used to say, he doesn't play well with others. You know, and you're always going to have that out there. But you know, for the most part, you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people that I've come in contact since I've been doing this in a very short time that have been nothing but helpful and friendly like yourself and Ron and you know I mean just the, the list goes on and on John you know I've talked to a few people and and you know you hear you guys hear the same old questions all the time I know and it and it's got to get frustrating and tiresome but at the end of the day you know the more people you educate then you've got one more guy to help you answer those questions down the road maybe you don't have to right that's that's the key, and I I think if for anybody out there that is that does have like is the type of person that just can't play well with others, I, I would even say to that type of personality to be like you know um, if that's the case if you struggle with jealousy or issues with people, um, the thing is to focus on your own your own life and your own animals and whatever it is that you're involved in. Just focus. Try not to worry about what other people are doing because that's their life. You know don't. Don't interfere with other people. Try, you know, just focus on your own. I mean, I've always made it a point to just do the best at what I'm trying to do, and I don't worry about what anybody else is doing, you know. And if you if we can do that, then there there will be a lot less conflicts in the world, I think. But absolutely, it's not always easy. Yeah, it's not always easy for some people. I understand, but uh, you know, in, with time, every I, I think maybe it's an age thing too, right there, like. As you get older, yeah, get... I, I think as you get older, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm over fifty, and you know, thirty years ago, I was, I, you know, I had a whole lot wilder side and and more of a temper, and you know, you, you get older and you you just learn that there's there's more to life than that, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, another day that you're on this side of the daisy, so to speak, is a is a good one. So enjoy it to the right. fullest. Right, absolutely. And, I, and that's what we all should be doing right now. We don't, our future in herpetoculture is uncertain right now. So we don't know what it's going to be like a year from now or five years from now. And I think I think no matter what happens, it's going to be drastically different uh, than what it is today. And uh, either good or bad, we don't know. But the bottom line well, is no matter what, yeah. you got to enjoy it the way it is, right? Yeah, it's changed, you know, a lot in in 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. from what it was back then. You know, back then it was kind of the rip-roaring 20s, so to speak. There wasn't a whole lot of laws out there, you know. I mean, so you were just going out collecting animals or 
you know, people were importing things that, you know, we had never seen before. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a different time. And, I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that that they need to pay attention to and watch out for. But, you know, then there's some of it that's just, you know, I, I think it's just a way for them to justify their job. Maybe the NSA right. didn't hear that. I, maybe I won't get raided tonight at my house. <laughs> well, that's funny. No, I don't think they're listening to Gecko Nation Radio. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> if they are, then we're all in trouble. <laughs> right? That's funny. Exactly. Right. You gonna be hey, I was going to tell you, too, you know, you were, you, were, you were talking about the Herpentine Boys. Yeah, JD yeah. and Justin, did you hear their, the show they just did? Was it last week where they had Marty Stelfer? Wild America on? You know, I didn't. Did you I hear was that? busy that night. I was busy that night, and I didn't get to listen to it. I got to listen well, to it. Well, you, so you really got to go back. I, I listened to it today at work, and that was just incredible listening to that guy. You know, you know I, I grew mean, up with Marty Stauffer. That, that was exactly. you know, Wild America. Oh, you know, those were those were yep. days. That's when, that's when animal shows were great, you know? That's, you know, yeah. wow. And it was really that good. Quality. I mean, yeah. If anybody uh, out there listening, you need to check that one out because that was, especially if you're of any age that can remember Marty Stauffer coming on. Man, that it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's making a comeback too. I think he's got his own radio show on Block Talk too, right? Well, show? you know, they mentioned that right at the end. JD mentioned it. Have you ever thought about it? And 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 uh, he said, no, I never have, you know, never given it much thought. But I think J.D. told him he was going to call him the next day and they were going to talk about it. So they did do it? I don't know. I thought I saw something about that. Maybe I'm wrong. i got to check. But, yeah, I'll take a look into it. They talked about it. Now, I, you know, so, that you man, just it, just have him on once a month for an hour telling stories would be absolutely phenomenal. Oh, my God. He lived with, Remember that episode where he was living with the Bear Cubs? Yes. And the bear, he raised he raised the bears. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. And that's, oh, he got that's the pill. That had, had some interesting experiences in his life, you know? Yeah, and he, he talks about how his mom was just a sweetheart and let him keep all kinds of stuff and, you know, help him make bottles to feed baby beavers and raccoons. And, you know, he said she was really the, really instrumental in, well, I think he's got three brothers and a sister, and they all kept stuff and did all mm-hmm. that and so yeah he, he really gives a lot of credit to his mom yeah that's and that's the point like if you're if you're a young person out there today and you know i get on my youtube channel i get a lot of uh, young people that say dave my mom won't let me keep a gecko this and that or my dad won't let me and uh, so i made a special video just for kids like that you know how to convince your parents <laughs> to let you have a leopard gecko it's got like a hundred i've watched views. it i have seen that video <laughs> it's a good one well, at the end of at the end of this, the the video, I said specifically for the parents that you know if you if a, if a child has an ability like this and you nurture it, you never know they may turn out to be the next Marty Stauffer. But if you exactly. don't, if you don't nurture the interest, you'll never know, and it's like a lost opportunity. Um, if your if your son or daughter has a great arm, you get him into baseball and. You know, you never know. They may become a pro- professional player one day. But this, you know, interesting, you know, interest in animals is the same type of thing. You know, they can be the next host of the next animal show or the next uh, crocodile hunter. You don't know. But exactly. to not 
yeah, and to not encourage that is is just a waste of ability, I think. So I it's there's a lot of kids that that video helped. I hope more people, more parents are like that, where they encourage their kids and and expose them to these things. And that's the way to go, you know. Oh, I agree. So. I agree because you know it's they're out there. I mean, like you say, there, there's. There's a five-year-old waiting to be the next uh, naturalist in the world out there somewhere. I agree. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, you know, Dale, I just want to thank you very much for being my, my co-host tonight. You did a fantastic job for your first time. And uh, I can definitely see us uh, doing it again. What do you think? I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate it for you giving me the opportunity and uh uh, you know, I'm always, whenever I'm listening to you, you know, I have about 50 questions come in my mind, and I never write them down. But, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and uh, it was fun, and I would love to do it again any any anytime you would like me. I would be uh, more than happy to do it. Awesome. All right. Well, it sounds good. Uh, thanks again. And uh, we'll wrap things up now. And, um, Daryl, if you're up later, I'll, I'll shoot you a text if you want to talk some geckos. That would be great. I'd love to. Okay, cool. All right, Daryl. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Yep. All right, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and play the outro. I'll come back with my closing remarks, and then I'm going to play a cool song for you guys. Hang tight. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, everybody. Um, definitely support U.S. ARC, okay? Uh, we're going to need U.S. ARC to help us, all right? Uh, can donate a little bit, even if it's a dollar or two. It'll make a difference. Um, well, my closing remarks are this. Uh, another great show. I'm really enjoying Gecko Nation Radio. I really want to thank everybody that is being positive and supportive in the group Gecko Nation and encouraging and helping the new people. Our group gets a lot of new people coming into it, and I have the uh, links to it where new people are, so um, we get a, we get about 100 new people joining every week, and uh, the, the group is just phenomenal. So I just want to thank everybody that's doing their best and just being the great people that you all are in that group. It's just it's amazing. 
and other groups are now emulating our example and just keeping things positive. So um, that's a good thing. That means the community is getting better, and uh, it all has to start somewhere. So my closing remarks are, uh, everybody out there, let's put aside the grudges, the, um, the negativity, whatever issues you have against anybody else, just drop it. It's so old and you know, useless. It doesn't do, do anything for anyone. All right? And just focus on what you're doing. Focus on, you know, making yourself the best at what you do, and everybody will be okay. And uh, I just want to thank everybody that all my new admins in the group, okay? Allie and Daryl and uh, Chrissy, you guys are um, going to be the new admins. The group is getting bigger. We're going to need more monitors, more people to make sure things go smooth. I just want to thank you guys for coming on board to help and also for all the international people that will be listening to the show. Uh, if you know somebody out there, a breeder, a business, a person uh, in herpetoculture that you think would make for a great guest on the show, I am definitely open to your suggestions. So just you can email us at geckonationradio at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. And on this uh, Sunday, we have Steve Sykes coming on, and he has a uh, important announcement to make, something that you guys are going to really like, something very interesting. And uh, he's going to make it, make that announcement for the first time live on Gecko Nation Radio, so don't miss it uh, this Sunday coming up. And also, reminder, this Sunday is also the White Plains Reptile Expo. Hope you guys can make it. All right, check this song out, and everybody have a great night. <laughs>